Welcome to PB Link Stories. We explore the stories and uncover the business secrets of some of Britain's most successful entrepreneurs. Polish people are making a big impact in British business networking circles and a huge contribution to the UK economy. What's it like to be a go-getter in the UK doing everything in your second language? Is there a glass ceiling to overcome? What if you're a woman in business too? I'm Bill Mayer of PrecisionPresentation.com. I'm on a quest to learn the secrets of business. In PB Link Stories, I hunt down some of Britain's most inspiring people in business to find the person behind the success. Today, I'm talking to Kate Bogusławska, originally from Radom, Poland. Kate is an award-winning solicitor with a stellar career, made partner of London law firm Carter Lemon Cameron's just nine years after qualifying and did it in her second language. Kate is also co-founder of a new kind of business networking group, Women's Business Link, which was launched during lockdown by A-lister BBC news presenter Kasia Madera. Now, to our listeners, take note, if you listen through to the end, we are going to reveal the secret of business. Hello and welcome to PB Link Stories, Kate. Thank you very much for having me. Hello. Could you please tell us a little bit about yourself and Carter Lemon Cameron's and what makes CLC different? I'm a commercial solicitor. I work predominantly with companies. I advise them on commercial company and employment matters. I draft and negotiate contracts. Um, and I have to say that I empower my clients by providing them with tools to effectively run uh, their businesses. Um, I'm also instructed by foreign companies, mainly Polish uh, companies, to represent their interest in English jurisdictions. Um, I often work with uh, in-house counsels or uh, Polish solicitors. Carter Lemon Cameras is a law firm in the city of London. We provide wide range of services to businesses and individual clients. We have corporate, commercial employment and dispute resolution departments, as well as property, probate and wealth management. Um, what makes CLC different? I love this question. Um, I think that what makes CLC different is its history and the level of client care. Uh, the CLC has been established uh, 105 years ago, and it built strong relationship with the clients. We constantly look into ways of improving how we provide our services. Uh, and this is why we often say that we don't have a unique selling point, but a unique caring point. A, a unique caring point. So we're talking today to Kate, and I've said that Kate has, uh, she's a very unique person. She's not your stereotypical commercial solicitor. And I think we'll find as we go on as well, as we've just heard, Carter Lemon Cameron's is a bit of a law firm with a difference as well, with a UCP, never mind your USP. How's business during lockdown? Um, well, but business, well, we could say business business as usual. Um, obviously, at the very beginning where the lockdown started, uh, we had to deal with a sudden change of reality and shift to home working. Uh, but we had infrastructure and we had prepared to run it from home. So uh, all the systems worked seamlessly and we were um, 
instantly able to to help our clients and deal with their problems. And, uh, um, you know, that remember, it was very chaotic at the very beginning. Uh, the entrepreneurs didn't know what to do, whether they could continue their operations or not, or what to do with their employees, what to do with their contracts. So um, CSC provided a lot of advice and produced a number of free videos and publications to assist our clients. Um, I uh, took part in a number of webinars for Polish audience as well. Um, I'm involved with a, a non-profit organization, London Spark, uh, which assists Polish nationals and uh, provided free advice to, to people who needed it. So um, I was very glad and grateful that in this moment of crisis, I had tools to and expertise to, to make a difference and, um, and help people. Absolutely. I mean, <clears throat> I imagine that would make a massive difference. I think people who have English as a first language, looking at everything that's going on as an employee and trying to work out what are my rights, what do I do, where do I go, would find it difficult enough. But to someone who is Polish and has English as a second language, well, you could double or quadruple the confusion there. So I think you, you would be a godsend coming along and giving your advice uh, in Polish to Polish people and free. Wonderful. Um, I want to move on to asking about something that I mentioned in our introduction. Congratulations. Uh, you're a partner of a big law firm in the square mile of London. You achieved it after just nine years after qualification, and you did it in your second language. That's pretty amazing. So, And you also you worked as a translator while you were studying at Greenwich University during your studies. But I believe that you had a bit of a career shift when you were studying at, at Greenwich University. That wasn't for your law degree. No, no. Um, I've, uh, I've got a degree in English from a Polish university, but because I wanted to... Uh, be a journalist, I figured out that I needed to speak really good English and have expertise um, in another field. So I came to uh, yes, Greenwich University to do a main literature, culture and art. And when I was finishing my degree, um, of course, my parents were prompting me to go back to Poland. Um, I did some courses in interpreting and translation, mainly because I felt that I I had not seen enough of England and I wanted to buy myself a bit more time to uh, to stay and explore and but do something useful. I couldn't just stay here. So um, I, I did those courses and started working in the legal environment and uh, started interpreting in courts uh, and for lawyers. And I quickly noticed that um, I had more to contribute than repeating words. I, I always wanted to volunteer some, some comments of my own, which I can't do when I'm an interpreter. Uh, uh, and I started realizing that I'm more vested in the legal argument and uh, I felt this calling, really. So um, I went back to university um, to study law. Wow, amazing. That's a, real, that's a real vocation then. That's a real calling that you have. Fantastic. I, I, I like to call it like this, yes. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm sure that that's, I'm sure your clients, well, I hope your clients appreciate that. So you've done extremely well in your legal career. You've rocketed ahead of the average of someone doing this even in the first language. 
I wonder, however, if you found any, uh, have you experienced any aspect of glass ceiling in the law profession as a Polish professional and or as a woman? Um, I think there is a gap in a number of women and men working in senior positions uh, generally. Uh, the Solicitor's Regulation Authority published a diversity of uh, data some time ago, and it showed that uh, whilst there is 50% lawyers uh, are women, only 30% are made partners. And whether it is a result of a glass ceiling or the very conservative nature of the profession or other circumstances, it's really difficult to say. I think the progress in law, um, to progress in law, you one has to put a uh, lots of hours of work. And this is why it restricts men and women, especially these women who are children or have caring responsibilities. Mm-hmm. Um, and in addition, women, I think, often lack confidence or suffer from an imposter syndrome. Okay. But as for being Polish, I've, I think it makes it more difficult. I, I have encountered many misconceptions um, about myself uh, or my, my background or, or my accent. And it did impact on my confidence, and I did feel inferior because of my accent. Um, and I remember a situation when one of my law teachers, um, who was preparing us for an advocacy exam, it's um, it's sort of of like a role play when you run a court case. Um, and she told me that I spoke too softly and uh, I could hardly be heard. And she then added, "I know why you're doing it. It is because you speak with an accent." by use your accent to your advantage when you are in court or when you make an application to a judge who is tired or or heard so many applications on this day, when they hear your voice, they will instantly be intrigued and and pay attention. And and, and this tip tip has made a massive difference to me. It helped me enormously in the exam, but also later in my career. And it stopped being an impediment. Um, you turned you turned it to your advantage. Yes, yeah. There's definitely. a there's a um, a technique in public speaking sometimes, or even in in a school teacher with a class full of children, and the children are not really paying attention. Some of them are talking amongst themselves, making a bit of noise. And there's two ways you can go. One way is to assert your authority and speak very loudly and and perhaps use a little bit of aggression. But the other way is to speak very quietly. So people are thinking, what's this guy saying? You speak very quietly and people have to prick up their ears to listen to what you're saying. So exactly. You speak with a bit of an accent. So a different voice comes into the dialogue. Maybe I have to concentrate ever so slightly more just to make sure I'm hearing everything. Great. Love it. You mentioned in that story about imposter syndrome. So I'm fascinated by this. You're a very successful woman. You're doing very well. You appear to have achieved or overachieved or high achieved everything you want to do. And yet you've mentioned feeling a lack of confidence. Oh, yes, I've uh, I've suffered from it very frequently. Uh, I've suffered from an imposter syndrome. And only now I'm learning that it is not only a predicament that affects me, but ma- ma- many people. But um, I think it is easier now that I have recognised that I have, I have the necessary abilities and experience to be where I am. So it is much easier. But I remember the situation maybe two or three years into my qualification um, when I was um, uh, invited invited to this massive boardroom 
uh, to advise um, a board of uh, of a very well known PLC, um, and and they were all senior to me in years and experience, and and I was asked to provide advice to this company, and I remember thinking in panic that they were so experienced that I had nothing to contribute to their knowledge. Uh, but when I was giving them my opinion and advising them, I noticed that they were taking notes and they were really scribbling away. And, and, and my first reaction was surprise. I was like, why, why are they noting it? Why would they be noting what I'm saying? And then the second thought has come, came and, and I realized that uh, they looked beyond what I sound like, sounded like or what I looked like. And they looked at me as an expert. They needed the knowledge that I was giving to them. And in this moment, I realized that if people treated me like an expert, it was a high time for me to start accepting this and, and treating myself as one. But again, this is something that um, a person has to deal with it within themselves, realize it um, and, and combat it. Sure, sure. Oh, that's a, that's, that's a heartening story. It's, that's, that's a very encouraging story, I think, for many of us who feel pretty much the same. I think a lot of us, even those who are pursuing a career in their first language and, and, and there's, there's nothing at all out of the ordinary about us or out of the run of the mill about us, experience this imposter syndrome or have experienced imposter syndrome. My top tip is get old because when you get old, you get more and more confidence naturally. It just comes with the gray hair. Um, following on from this uh, topic of glass ceilings, but moving forward, there's a, an axiom that people who experience glass ceilings talk about having to work, excuse me, twice as hard to achieve the same as everyone else. You're working four times as hard, in my opinion, because it's all in your second language. My question is, how do you do it all and maintain a personal family life as well? I've heard you talk about the benefits of yoga to keep you centered. Yeah. Is this something that you would recommend to our listeners? Absolutely. Uh, for years, I struggled to maintain a work-life balance and work always encroached on into my personal life. I didn't spend enough time with my children and I felt guilty. Uh, and it was a, kind of a vicious, vicious circle. And, um, and I knew I had to find ways of, you know, to, to deal with it differently. So um, I'm trying to be much more organized and efficient, but also make sure uh, I have this time to unwind. And uh, Yes, yoga is one of, of ways of staying uh, staying healthy and fit. And again, for years, I had I had guilt that I went to a yoga class at the expense of my family time. And now I realize that staying fit is and, and healthy and physically and mentally is more is even an obligation towards myself, towards my family and, and my client, uh, my client. So um, I can pursue these activities in a healthy and guilt-free way. And since I've discovered Kundalini yoga, which is a different kind of yoga, I can quickly, I learn to quickly shake off stress and uh, unwind in a maybe uh, quicker way as well. Fantastic. If we had lots of time and we don't, I would tell you a story about <laughs> how yoga cured my fear of flying, but we don't have time. Oh, I want to ask you about <laughs> this uh, prestigious Lexis Nexus Business Development Award last year, March 2019, for your company's work on facilitating access to English law for Polish companies and institutions. And I understand that this is an award that was given to your company, but really you're responsible for 
getting the award. It was your work that, that, that did it. Again, working in your second language hasn't slowed you down at all. What has the award meant for you and Carter Lemon Camerons? It, it meant a lot uh, for us because it's such a prestigious award. Uh, we had not expected it. So uh, the more we were elated to receive this acknowledgement. Um, but uh, CLC has had a long history of helping foreign clients. Our partners, Seamus Smythe, regularly travels to South Africa. Rufus Ballastis has clients from Singapore, Hong Kong, Dubai, and regularly travels there to assist them. So uh, when I joined CLC, I joined a company which understood the need of serving clients from abroad. And, and it gave me a great infrastructure to develop uh, our services for the Polish market. So we employed Polish speaking assistants as well. And I was able to carry out some pro bono work, deliver workshops, webinars. I spoke at conferences, both in the UK and, and in Poland. Um, and the work of bridging the gaps in access to legal advice for foreign entities and nationals uh, is extremely rewarding. And we had a huge sense of achievement, but obviously getting recognized uh, an award that was the, the proverbial cherry on top. Absolutely. So it's quite impressive. So from South Africa to Singapore to Poland to the square mile in the city of London, you guys are, are, are encompassing the globe. You're embracing, you're embracing the globe. We enjoy it. <laughs> Great. Yeah. Now, I also mentioned in the introduction here what I find personally a very interesting and quite exciting venture that you have co-founded, Women's Business Link. It's a, a new networking group with, I think, a very interesting ethos. It, it's a networking group for women by women, and it stresses friendship and personal development alongside uh, business networking. And anyone visiting the Women's Business Link Facebook page can see a whole series of videos. Uh, and the launch video was, in fact, you, Kate, interviewing BBC A-lister news presenter Kasia Madera. And that was a fantastic interview. I need to get tips from you. Here's my question. What differences do you find in women's business networking groups compared to so-called mixed groups, which are usually male-dominated Thank you, and thank, I'm glad you've enjoyed it. Um, we we had a great uh, feedback after the, this interview and the subsequent interviews that, that we had. Uh, people did find uh, these interviews uh, inspirational, so shows that there is a need for uh, for this kind of work. But what makes the networking different? Um, I've, I've, I've networked a lot, and uh, I think a these events are dominated by men, which is, there's nothing wrong with it. But when chatting to women, you often find that they do not feel at par. They, again, lack confidence, um, or they feel that the real views or interests may be found too trivial if they, if they, if they explore them, if they talk about them. And, and you, those networking events are to build relationships. So you, you don't always talk about, um, about businesses, but sometimes about your your interest, and and very often I I heard women saying that they didn't feel comfortable talking about other things than business, like fashion or, or nutrition. Um, so we thought that providing an environment where women can freely discuss various topics uh, uh, will uh, will help them thrive. Will 
be beneficial for, you know, conducive, uh, not only to finding business partners, but also clients um, and, and friends. Mm-hmm. You have a strap line, a slogan, a three word slogan uh, for Women's Business Link. Could you remind me? Empowerment, inspiration, diversity. There we go. That's it. That was it. Just when you were talking there about women um, at networking groups, maybe want to talk about other stuff around about the hardcore of actual business and maybe want to talk about relationships and what what might be called softer subjects rather than the hard subject of actual business. It interests me because when I read up about the supposed cultural differences between doing business in Poland and doing business, business here in Britain, the advice British people are always given is, look, the British are famous for all your small talk and afternoon tea and all this sort of stuff and never quite get into the point. Polish people say hello. They wouldn't even say how are you because they take that quite literally. You say hello and pleased to meet you. And then you get into business straight away and don't waste their time. But here I'm speaking to a Polish businesswoman and you've got, again, a different point of view. You've got, again, a more gradual introduction to what you want to talk about have you do so have you do do, do you recognize these cultural stereotypes of the polish businessman versus the british businessman oh absolutely uh polish people are very direct like you say to the point uh uh, and i think it, it it just sounds rude when you when you've been here for as many years as I have been I mm. I found it actually too direct uh, and I have to say I prefer the the English approach of uh, you know having a small talk um, I always find that talking about weather is a brilliant subject because it's yeah. it's not co- controversial you know if you discuss politics or some mm. other convictions yes uh, you know yes. there's a danger uh, whereas yes. I think um, the weather is kind of neutral and and and, and a love subject so mm. I think it's a great great um, conversation opener mm-hmm. um, and I also noticed when I deal with Polish companies um, you know from Poland uh, when I advise them that they are also learning to introduce this small talk to the conversation sure. um, and, and it's a great because it softens the approach and you do uh, tend to find some uh, synergies uh, uh, quite quite instantly so oh, absolutely. Uh, I think yeah. it is helpful. It's, it's, it's a paradox or an irony or something because I have had to learn that skill myself and I mean the skill of, of small talk I, was, I grew up in a military family. My dad was a military man, and he was, I think, in his soul, very Polish. He was a Scotsman from the Highlands, but he his attitude to life was get straight to the point, no messing about, and that's the way I was brought up my entire life. And then I started going to business networking circles, and I learned the adage that networking is more about farming than hunting. You want to nurture relationships, let them grow, and then harvest the business that comes from it rather than going with a spear and trying to um, spear your business straight away. So it's quite ironic that, that, that there's me, a British person, and my my instinct is to go straight for the kill. The Polish person, their instinct is to go straight for the kill. Both of us have been polite to each other and talking about stuff. And the point you made about politics, my goodness, listeners, I promised right at the very beginning, if you listened right through to the end, we were going to reveal the secret to business. And here it comes. Kate, what is the secret of business? 
the secret of business is creating strong foundations based on values, is treating people the way you would like to be treated, and is providing a high quality of service that people only want to use your services. Kate, that's fantastic. A three-pronged secret of business is to do with values, it's to do with treating others as you would like to be treated, and it's to do with a high level of service to your customers. Sadly, that's all we have time for. I wish we had more. Kate, thank you very much for giving us your time and sharing your inspiration today. Thank you. Thank you for having me. To our listeners, be sure to subscribe to PB Link Stories as we hunt down more inspiring entrepreneurs to discover the secret of business. Join us at our next event and engage with the business community.